The following is a presentation of Real Racing USA. Like we said, we weren't getting too much input about some things, but other things we were, and one was Bronson Speedway coming up for sale. And, you know, uh, I've never had Mike Cope on the show with us before, and so uh, I'd like to introduce everybody to uh, what I'd consider a hell of a race car driver, and he's been a hell of a racetrack owner during this uh, time. Uh, Mike Cope, how you doing? Pretty good. How about yourself? Doing great. Uh, you're on the air here with uh, Rob Elting, uh, Bonehead, they call me. I've met you many times, you know, racing with your brother and you in uh, the early years. And C.C. Brooks here is with us, along with Jack Smith. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. And Mike, um, did you know you're featured in uh, Wikipedia? No, I don't mess around none of that stuff. I don't, I <laughs> you might you might want to check to make sure that all the stats they have yeah, they got are all correct. The, they got all the stuff in there about your uh, Craftsman trucks deal uh, bush series and uh, all pro somebody's keeping stats for you yeah, mike somebody was looking out for you there all the all pro stuff some of the truck stuff i'll, I'll remember but uh, some of the bush stuff i remember most of it i want to forget so i'm better off uh, not paying attention to it i guess <laughs> all right what well, you know what what's funny today jack i was packing up you know because i've been moving mike from uh port charlotte down here moving back to tampa and uh, i've got this big nascar collection of uh, dale earnhardt cars and but I do have one truck, okay? Right. I've got the Mike Cope truck. Do you really? Yes, I All do. Right. So this Mike Cope truck. Like tonight earlier, we talked with uh, Rusty Marcus from Orlando, and we spent some time with uh, uh, Mike Peters from Ocala and talking about some of the issues that, you know, seriously are facing uh, the sport here in Florida. Um, you recently closed your track, put it up for sale. Tell us about, like, your... You know, what you see as some of the, the real key issues that we, we need to deal with in, in Florida racing. I don't know if there's if there's any just one real key issue, and it's not just Florida, it's everywhere. I mean, we travel the country and, and, and go to a lot of places, and your your big shows always seem to draw decent crowds. And, and I've been to some what I'd consider big shows that we would uh, we compete in, and, and, you know, the, the crowds aren't there, and... and uh, there's some good friends of mine in, in this business that uh, they're losing their shirt right now. Um, I just, I still think that we have to get out of this, you know, this uh, the, the box that we're thinking inside of. And this isn't 1982, this, you know, 2008. And we, ha- we need to move in forward thinking. I never thought in a million years I'd see ultimate fighting on TV. That was something that was futuristic when I was a kid. And now you're seeing it. So there's a lot of things that... Um, you know that have changed and and uh you know racing kind of stayed in the same mold that, it, that it's been in since i was a kid I, I started going to races um when i was at the the, the week after i was born my, my mother was a scorer at sunshine speedway so we you know um, i started going right then and, and and kept going right along and my first recollection is about six years old five years old probably things are the same we have to change that what are some of those? What are some of those? Uh, I don't know. I don't. Oh, okay. I don't know what it is because I'm, I'm. I've. I have been on the racing side of it for so long. Mm-hmm. That's the side that my passion's on, and that's the side my love's on. Got me here. I drove by this racetrack for. Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, I started traveling in '89 with NASCAR and the All American Challenge Series. So I drive. Or a shortcut was by this racetrack, and I would tell my wife or anybody in the truck listening to me, one of these days I'm going to own that place, and I have no clue as to why I wanted to own it, but I did. And um, after owning it, it just it, it taught me a lot of things about about the, the racer in general and whatnot. And, and again, a lot of them are stuck back in the 80s, and they, they need to move forward. 
um, they need to understand that the money just doesn't fall out of the sky that they get paid with. And, um, and we've, we've done big advertising campaigns, and I've listened to you guys talk about you know, radio and TV, and it goes on and on and on. And, sure. and again, the only thing that draws a crowd to a place like this is a crash-a-rama type event, and then whenever they see it once, it's like, it's like a movie. They don't come back to it. In other words, if you go see a movie one time, you've seen it, and they don't come back to it. The first time we had it here, it was huge. The second time, it was less. The third time, less than that. It, just, and it went on and on. I don't know what the answer is. If I had the answer, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> right. But it's not, it's not because of the, the, the track. This track will make money. It still made money, just not the kind of money that I wanted it to make. And um, it's a paycheck racetrack. It will, it will make someone a, a very good paycheck. But I have a, a young son that's um, a very good, accomplished race car driver that I'm going to, you know, put all my time and effort into him. Of course, Travis, Travis Cole. So, uh, Mike, what? What's going to happen with your racetrack? Well, there's a couple different guys looking at it. Um, a, a good friend of mine, Dennis Tooth, with the, the uh, ASA member track program, has got a guy that um, that is real interested, and I've got a local um, person that is showing some interest. Um, it's going to continue to operate as a racetrack. I'm, you know, I own the property. It's my wife and myself and Travis's and, and my daughter Megan. We've it's a family uh, a piece of property. Um, it's owned by us, and, and we are going to our race shops on that property. We will move the race shop closer to home, but um, I've got it up, you know, for for sale or lease, and I'm heavy on the lease. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna just go in here and bulldoze this place. Uh, that's not the, that's not the plan. Um, this type of business takes a 100 to, you know, and it's, it's mathematically impossible to give 110 percent, but it takes that to to make it happen, and I don't have that. I, I give it 50% of my time. My wife gives it 100%. Tommy Dunford has managed the place since its inception. You know, he's given it 100%. But um, I didn't give it all all my time, and and, uh, and I won't. I refuse to. I give my 100% to my racing operation, and so uh, that's why we're doing what we're doing. Are you a Levy County resident? No, I'm not. I'm, I, I I reside in uh, on the beautiful Wikiwachi River in uh, Hershey right. County. Well, you did a lot of work to that place, that's for sure. Yeah, and I pay the taxes for that. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we could always uh, throw a few cows on it for a couple of years. And, uh, I don't know if that works because it, it's industrial zone for us. <laughs> no. I, was, I was only kidding. Uh, uh, Mike, you know, I think it's going to be important for um, somebody to come in there and, and take over that lease or... Um, you know, or by you know, being that it's in Levy County, it's not in the kind of place where a huge development's going on right now. You know, but for me personally, the, plant, the nuclear plant going in. Yeah, no, I want to remind people of that. I heard because uh, I, me personally, I, I will be a, a, a Levy County resident by the time my son's five and he's one now. So I, I plan to be there, and I plan to uh, if I if, he, if I'm there, I'm in. If I'm living there, I'm going to need a place and to I'm, race. And I've been trying to figure out how to move there for eight years. Yeah, so well, long-term lease options available, guy. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I just I think it's really important, and there's a you know that there are some really die-hard racers around that racetrack. There, there definitely is, and there's a great group of race fans here. As yeah. I said, we, this is a paycheck racetrack. You can operate the racetrack and, and pay a lease and make a paycheck week in, week out. Whenever we, you know, there, there's, there's tracks that I've been to that with big shows that have had less people in the stands than this place will on a Saturday night, there's great, a great group of people here. The, the racers right now, they're, they're, 
you know, they're having a hard time just getting here um, from a monetary standpoint. This isn't the um, uh, the epicenter for uh, wealth. Anything. Uh, yeah, for anything. We're only 15 miles from 45,000 enrolled college students, but they're all transient, so we don't get them like we should. <laughs> well, and, Le- and, and Levy County's huge. It's... Uh, I believe it's the eighth largest uh, geographical area. Yeah, but there's not full people. It's huge. Well, there's like about 40,000, 45,000 people in the whole county. Isn't that right? There's quite a few, and, and it's just it's Spread hard out. to get them all yeah. out here. But I'm, I'm going to tell you this, guys. When, when, you know, uh, before a lot of things went on, um, and I don't know, I'm not going to blame it on one anything, but when we when we first opened the place, it was not unusual for to have 700 people come to the front right. on a given Saturday night. And we had good racing, just like we had the last night we ran here. Some things happened with Ike that we, our management, had to do some some stuff that we, were, you know, had pre-commitments with Grubbs Emergency Services to go to Texas, or we'd have ran our last three shows and been done with it. But um, the, they, these fans in this area are fantastic, and they'll and they'll come out. And we've, you know, we we got the ticket prices moved back. The price point was where it needed to be. Eleven and under were free, and I don't care if you were a six foot seven. 11 under you know I, I listen to a lot of that rhetoric and, and hey it's it, your conscience as my daughter once told them whenever she worked the front gate go ahead here you get in free and go on so we did all we could do and, and um, I love the area love the racetrack and uh, I want you know I wanted to continue to operate but um, there's just a lot of things that are far beyond any one of us to, to fix overnight so let's say the worst thing that happens is that you don't sell it is that you? You can't sell it, and you don't lease it. You're just going to sit there and hold on to it. Yeah, it's not, it's not eating anything but taxes, which are terrible. But that's okay. I'm not going to I'm not going to bellyache about that. But no, it's it, this place doesn't eat. Um, my building that we house a race team here out of, and Jay Middleton's race team. We operate his deal of, of which won a championship in the Southeast Asphalt Tour this year. Right. Um, we we you know we house it right here on the property. My general manager who works for Gary <coughs> Gary Grubbs, um, he work he lives here on the property. And I have another home on the property also. So no, no, I, I, I really want to lease it, but no, it'll it'll set here. I will I will not. As Mike and Jane Cope, Travis and Megan, we will not open this place ourselves again. But someone needs to. Now, Mike, can you just go over for us um, what your uh, regular grandstand price was for a regular night? What your special event ticket price was, and what your um, pit prices were my my pit price on, on any given saturday night was 25 dollars to get in and that's where it stayed when we had the uh uh the, the bigger shows on the the, the grandstand side would go to a, a tops of 20 always 11 and under free so it was a 20 dollars ticket for anybody 12 and above or 10 dollars. that was the two fluctuations we had three big events this year the asa southeast asphalt tour the asa south tour and a a I don't know what the heck else we had, but anyway, there was only three times this year that we that we raised the front ticket uh, price, and um, that didn't seem to be a problem with the fans. Um, the the, you know, the fan count went you know went up and down as as you would expect for the type of show that we had. Mm-hmm. So a normal event was then how much? Ten dollars. Ten. And and eleven under were free. Yeah. Sure. And our and our and our uh, our concessions that the food, um, uh, you know that. Tommy's sister-in-law did that for years, and it was fantastic food. And, and and we had people that would come just for the ribs that we had, and different things of that nature. We had we did everything from live bands in the front straightaway. My wife and Tommy worked their asses off, 
to make this thing work. And and uh, we we did, guys. I have raced literally um, professionally since '89. I've been going to the racetrack since the '60s. I've seen everything from from Bob Harmon's deal to, to Bill Desmond with with the old All American Challenge Series. I've seen you know, and I've tried it all. And um, I still believe we we need to start forward thinking. What worked then worked then. That's a great thing. But we are not then. We're now, and and we have to start thinking in a different in a different tone. So what would work now, Mike? If I knew, I, I, well, I'm, I wouldn't. We wouldn't be talking. I don't know. Uh, well, it, I don't know okay. Yeah, but you got to have some idea. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I I know you say that that if you knew that we would be having it, but you already said that you didn't want put 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 but fifty percent into it. So right. is, is that all it would take? That if Mike decided he wanted to put a hundred percent into it? Okay. That what I would do is uh, if this is this is my this is my Mike's perfect world. Real quick, like asphalt racing. Mike Peters, I, I commend him for having the balls to put dirt in that racetrack. The racetrack wasn't conducive to asphalt racing anyway. It was a great racetrack, and they did a great job with it, um, better than than what anyone's done with it. In, in my personal opinion, since the pals had it, James is a right. friend of mine. Um, they, they've done a fantastic job. Ida never did that. We talked about it here. A, a gentleman that he um, works with, you know, has done some stuff with, um, came over here about buying this place and making it dirt, and I cringed because... I'm an asphalt racer through and through, and that's why I'll be broke the rest of my life. But anyway, to make a long story short, insurance costs are through the roof. We have to lower insurance costs. Property taxes on everybody that owns their property throughout Florida. Um, with this property boom, we've we've seen a quadruple. My my property taxes have quadrupled here, quadrupled. So you know, it's it's not not pretty in that um, respect. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, we have it takes a hundred percent devotion to do the job here. We know that. To, I, I gave 50, and so you know we're we're good there. Everyone that comes through the gate, you got to treat them like they got a cup car. I mean, I'm talking about a Nextel cup, a Sprint cup. They change the name so often, we don't know what the heck it is. But you have to treat these guys well. Late models, supers, limited crates—that's all bullshit, as far as I'm concerned. Make them all one. We're doing that with the Southeast Asphalt Tour. We've got one set of rules. The cars all run under. We get our asses kicked weekly by crate engines with a super late model engine that everybody says is cheated up from Progressive. It's all—it's all a bunch of bull. Um, these cars will compete together. The modifieds need to go on 8-inch tires hard, harder than um, the back of Batman's head, which would be a good thing. With a spec sword engine, the Gulf Coast you know, deal was really, really close to making that happen, yep. and then it just it didn't for whatever reason. We had 42 of those cars here for an event. Um, Gary Robertson was a great guy. It was awesome. I had some philosophical differences with, you know, with the way to do things. I was involved in that from the inception, and, and it still would, it would work today. That model is great. Sportsman cars. The rules we had at, at Bronson Motor Speedway were, were in, in uh, they were in, in effect in 1993-94 at Sunshine Speedway. The same rules are in effect here today. But problem is, hard to find front clips to a 70 to 79 Camaro. So right. let them go to a fab clip. It goes on and on and on. I build these cars. Many stocks. If you want a late model, you know, if you want a late model, build one. If you want a modified, build one. Many stocks are out of hand. You know, stock. Put the stock back in many, and we'll have a good class. Now, the in-between cars, I don't know what to do with because the problem is the same thing. We, we're built out of, of, of the, you know, the 70s, of the metric Monte Carlos. We're built out of the Camaros. We're built out of all that stuff. So a mid-sized front-wheel drive something, and that's where you leave it up to the, you know, to the, the, the racer because you, you write your rules and you spend six months on them, and he'll come in, and in two seconds he's like, holy crap, there's a mistake. <laughs> you know, but you leave it up to them to try and figure out where your, where your mid-class is at. That's what I would fix. Now, how do you put people in the stands? I don't know. Fighting on the front straightaway? I, 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 maybe that's it. 
Well, a little bit of UFC, it, UFC with racing, maybe. It, that's funny you, you said that, Mike, because uh, you know I'm always going back to this thing up there at Bowman Gray, which I know is a unique situation, being the oldest NASCAR-sanctioned track, little quarter mile, and all that. But you know, uh, Gray Garrison, that's uh, what he said. The WWF mentality is what keeps that place packed with 10,000 people every It will work. Now, get the high school, get the county to come purchase this property, let me operate a racetrack out of it with no liability. Hey, I'm all for it. Let's make it happen. Sure. We're in the age of litigation. You you can't let these people fight. I've got little babies in the pits. and Imagine a 200-pound guy getting in a fight with a 200-pound guy, falling on a woman with a baby in her arms. Then all of a sudden the baby is hurt. My gosh, I, I couldn't sleep the rest of my life. Yeah, you know, I, absolutely. It, it, you know, so that's that's where we're at, guys, and that, that's that, there's the the problem that that we have. One of the problems that we have. There's a, there's tons of them, but um, hey, Mike, let me ask you something. Do you think that um that the folks uh, in the grandstands today maybe can't relate to the cars like they used to because the cars aren't like what they're driving anymore? I came up here when I was going to buy the place. My wife and I did. We drove up, um, got in. Um, got a got a beer with the grandstand. Every classic car that came out um, was the same. Right. Different. They all looked the same. I changed all that. Didn't seem to matter. Um, I don't know about relating to the cars. I, I I know that maybe they need those little you know cannons on the exhaust and make them hurt your ears. <laughs> I, I, maybe that's what they need. I don't know. But no, I don't. I don't know, um, Rob, if it, or Jack. I don't know who answered, asked that question. That was Rob. I, I don't know if that's the if that's the problem or not. They want to see action. They want to see excitement. They want to see tension. They want to see some sparks. They want to. It's not cookie cutter racing. NASCAR has you know, created this cookie cutter mentality. And and you know, I don't want to hear another word about clean air and all that bullshit. It's time to go race. And, and if you you know if you, if you get into a guy and you knock him up by the way it's short track racing this we, is what it is eight be, goes turn better than four before the show we were joking here because uh, we're gonna we have to cut a commercial tonight after the show's done before we leave we have to cut a commercial for somebody and I was joking with Cece about violent wrecks you know I mean yep. uh, you know that's the kind of thing if you if you it, I know that radio ads if you make them too. Uh, NASCAR sounding cookie cutter nonsense. Mm-hmm. That, it doesn't relate to anything. No, exactly. These people don't relate to it, and they're not. You know, um, they they, they want to see action. They want to see something. They want to see the guy get out. Well, we all know how many times have you been to a local track and it's follow the leader, follow the leader, follow the leader, yep. and 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 that gets boring. We the fans like to see people starting in the rear and fighting their way up through the traffic. You know. See, I like Mike uh, at Bronson, for instance. Mike, um, like in the, I'm usually there for late model. Ra- I've been there for other times, of course, but I usually go when you got a big late model uh, race, and 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 it gets to be the root, 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 root them out kind of deal, you know. Well, I like that. It's like watching a one to nothing ball game, a pitcher's game in baseball. You know, it's kind of cool. But most of the fans, I don't think they, I don't think they like that. No, I don't. I don't know if, if they if they do or they don't. I I as a competitor don't mind it as long as the person in the tower who can't watch every car in the racetrack. I, I want to emphasize that don't you know that they're they're fair in, in their thinking. Um, I don't have a problem with with you know um, knocking them out of the way and going. That's the way I, I, I grew up. My sure. brother and I became pretty damn decent race car drivers because we had to start from fifteenth to twenty fourth every night on a quarter mile racetrack. 
you know, on a, on a, a handicap situation like we did here this year and drive to the front. And um, that's how you learn to become a race car driver. You don't learn by starting with pole qualifying and doing all that BS. You learn by racing your way in. So, you know? so now if you're... You came into this, as we said at the beginning, and people who know you know this, you came into this, you'd never owned a racetrack, you came in as a race car driver as your background in this game. What kind of advice or points would be the most important thing that you would say to somebody who was a driver who was coming in to take over your racetrack or any other racetrack? They were going to buy it, lease it, whatever. What are the most important things you think that you have learned, or, or that you would recommend to a driver? The the business person side of me, who who's very strong, says, you "Listen, you know, I, I can I can give you a book on on my mistakes, and I can give you all the ideas you want, and I'll only be a phone call away." Um, because there's there's a lot of things that I have learned about this. Now, the racer side of me tells that same person. Run far, run fast. Don't do it. You're crazy. <laughs> so uh, the business person that says you know, is is the proper guy to listen to. And, and uh, no, man, it just you, uh, give a hundred percent. If you're going to race, race. If you're going to own a racetrack and you're going to promote a racetrack or you're going to lease a racetrack, or, you, then you do that. You have, you got to do it a hundred percent. You can't do ninety nine, ninety eight. Do not race at your own racetrack. Of which that you know, Travis. The only time you ever raced it was on a sanctioned event, whether it be. Um, you know, with fast car or ASA, um, you can't race in a racetrack. Can't have a dog in the fight, so to speak. Absolutely. And um, and you have to have a a buffer between you and the and the drivers. But yet you still have to get to know these guys. Now me, I've got a big bubble I live in, and, and I don't let many, many people inside of it. My problem. Tommy doesn't live in a bubble, and he's done a fantastic job. <laughs> the problem is, I'm not. Tommy's not me, and and so. People, you know, they, they thought I was trying to, be, you know, to isolate them or what. I don't know what that was, but I think that I, I, that I put a wall between us, and that truly wasn't there. That's just the way I am. Jack, you've got to know me now over the years, and, and, and um, I'll talk to you now, but I'm, I'm just weird like that. I don't know. It's, it's my problem. Well, it only took about, what, four or five years. I don't know. <laughs> hey, uh, Mike, it's Rob. Um, what, Please, uh, what, t- tell me... Uh, what role you think NASCAR has in uh, the small racetracks and their demise? They have a they have a large hand in it, and and, um, and I you know uh, I I don't <laughs> I won't mince any words in, in saying that that Brian France doesn't give a dang about um, a local short track racing and their their ads on TV or, or, or there's something that is just a uh, okay I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up these short track operators across the country. I'll probably get a phone call if they ever hear this because I, I mean I, I do know a few of those guys still pretty well, but they um, you know the Saturday night racing made it made it easier for them to run their rain dates and, and, and you know make things happen. It made it easier for them to uh, to televise stuff. It just it made it you know conducive to them. They didn't give a darn about short track racing. That's not in the forefront for them. But what they got to remember is where's their next driver coming from because this whole Daddy Deep Pockets putting the, the kid in, in, in the car, and, and there's, a, there's a couple of them that are in there right now that wreck every week, uh, are making some crappy shows for Cup, for, for, for the Nationwide Series as we know it, and the truck. There's a whole bunch of guys that don't belong. It isn't like that, you know, the Butch Millers, the Rusty Wallace, Mark Martin, the, 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 David Strimmey, for, for goodness sake, he earned his way in, Reed Sorensen, 
earned his way in. There's some guys that still earned their way in. Uh, David Ruderman earned his way in. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of them that bought their way in. Yep. And, um, and it's it just it's not worth that. You have to, you know, David Ruderman come up to the, the uh, all-pro ranks, and he, he paid his dues, and, and, and God bless him, he's, he's done a fantastic job, and he's, um, he's earned, you know, everything that he's got. There's a whole bunch of guys that haven't earned a damn thing. Well, I, I, I definitely agree. Um, I, I, I can't believe Tell me, tell the folks, how much does NASCAR want from you as the track owner to make your track a NASCAR-approved racetrack? Oh, they, they cherry-pick. They don't, they don't want Bronson, but I'll guarantee you that Dennis Hoof at ASA wants it. Right. And, you know, he wants everyone that he can get. He cares, and he has a really good insurance package. That you know has a five hundred thousand dollar major medical policy. There's some great things. Guys at East Bay, you know, they signed up for it because they saw some value in it. Well, you were the first one, and this is, we're talking about, of course, the ASA sanctioned racetracks. You were the first one in Florida. Yes, I was. Yeah, we yeah. were the we were the first one to get uh, Varney's group in and, and do an ASA race, and right. they, they got a you know a bit of a, of a deal going on. But I don't. Um, I'm friends with both those guys, and I'm going to keep it that way. And, and I don't I don't get involved in it. I'm, I just want to see racing survive and and and, uh, and short track racing. Hey, Mike, how much of the twenty five dollars of a pit pass goes to paying insurance? It's uh, my my insurance, and in, uh, it's in excess of uh, twelve hundred dollars a night. And so, so it depends on the amount of fans that are there. On the amount of no, no, it's it's it, it's straight up. In other words, it's twelve hundred bucks. Doesn't matter if I open the gate thirty times a year. Do the math. It's right, but the co- I meant the cost would matter. Um, no, it's the same. Whether there's ten fans or ten thousand fans, it's still twelve hundred, or or competitors alike. Uh, what, right, but of that twenty five dollars, you know, it would depend on how many fans you had as to how much actually of the twenty five dollars went to it. I understand what you're saying. Right. What What about purses, Mike? I mean, as I mean, you're looking at it, of course, from both ends. You you can see it from both ends as a driver, having been a driver, your son a driver. Like Mike has, Mike Peters has said several times, and, and so has John Sapricone, other people, talked about doing something different with the purses, not paying the kind of purses we're paying. What What's your thoughts on all that? Um, you, you have to, you know, you have to pay a purse, but it's not all about the money. We've, we've had a, a big modified race that, that paid, you know, two grand to win, had ten cars. Next week it paid our normal five or six hundred to win and had twenty cars. Don't make any sense. I don't, I personally don't race for the money. It's just a byproduct of what you get. Um, one of the things that I ran, I shot across John Saperton's bow, who's um, basically the only guy um, that, that had enough balls to say, hey, uh, yeah, that might be a bad idea. I had a deal where I was going to put up, a, a, if we're out of time, y'all tell me, but I was going to put this, this neon light up over our, our pit area down there in the back over the, where you get paid at. And as you came in, we were going to just deduct. The only way we were going to deduct was the amount of insurance we paid for that night. The rest of the money would go to the racer. So if 200 people came in the stands, let's just say, at $25 a hit, that would be $5,000 came in. So four classes of cars are going to run for a $4,000 purse. I could bore you with it going on, but if we had 700 people, four classes of cars would run for $17,500, okay? And, and I'm, I'm going to give you every bit of the pit money that you, you, you paid in. I'm going to give it all back to you. And people were like, wow, that's, that's kind of crazy that nobody will do that. No, you're right. Nobody will do it. But, but I, I have motocross raced with Travis for years, and we did it all for free. We had three motorcycles in a trailer and did all the stuff and entry fees and class fees and whatnot and spent five, 600 bucks to get there. And we braced for nothing. This way here, I'm going to give you everything back. 
that was one of my little ideas that John was the only guy that, that said, you know what, I'll try that if you try it. I didn't have enough balls to do it. Hmm. What, did you listen to the show earlier, Mike? Talking about right there. A $17,000 purse is damn near what you pay for an ASA rate. Sure. Four classes of cards. What I was going to do, I was going to divide it 40, 30, 20, and 10, okay? Yeah. And, and, and so 40 being your late model's got 40% of that. And 30% was your next class, 20% was your next class, and 10% was your next class. I don't care if you had 10 cards or you had 24 cards. You got that amount, and then we, we would structure a purse out. And it wasn't going to be a Dolly Parton purse, meaning big on top, small on the bottom. Right. It was going to be a purse that was structured to pay out, you know, from the top to the bottom. But, again, I don't have 100% of my time to spend on this. I could, I think I could make something work in that deal. So if anybody else is listening or if they play this or do sure. whatever, pay attention. This might work. But I didn't have enough balls to do it. Um, or, or time. I don't know. Which what, one. What, what do you think about the... When we were talking with Mike uh, Peters, or Rob brought up with him, uh, uh, you know, the concept of, of uh, you know, the drivers getting paid uh, the same in each class. Go ahead, explain that. Like, like in late models, Mike, you know, they uh, say it's a $15,000 purse or a $20,000 purse for a 20-car field that, you know, that these guys pay out. And I think it gets to become ridiculous when they're trying to make it up by charging, you know, $25 in the grandstands, you know, to the people that are coming. Whereas I think, because I've been a late model racer for years, and I've never been the guy that was winning all the time, there's only a couple guys that even come to the race that have a possibility, a chance of winning. I thought about taking, if you had a late model class of 20 people. Or mini stocks, paid, it doesn't matter. Well, I say late models because that's what I race, and that's what I'm used to thinking about. If you paid everybody in that race 600 bucks that showed up, if you advertised your late model drivers, hey, we have a 20-car field. I'm going to pay everybody that shows up 600 bucks, and the guy that wins is going to get an extra 1000 and the guy in, in second gets an extra 500 and the guy in third gets an extra 300 Mike, do you know how many people would show up to that race? No, I don't, I don't know how many people would show up, but I'd be one of them, simply because that, that you know, we've, um, what you've what you got to look at there is you're going to limit the amount of cars you're going to have in the race. Everybody's going to, they're going to all buy tickets to get in. You know, they're, they're all going to have to buy, you know, fuel tires and whatnot. And I have no problem with, with you know, not leveling the field as far as the purse goes. Um, we all race for a trophy anyway. Yes. The only thing to remember is a trophy. That's all I've got. I've got, a, you know, some of them here that I'm, you know, I'm living in the, the 90s, so to speak. I've got a few of them here. and Travis is in my office here. And, and that, that's what you race for. But we go to some events and we have a problem. And the next thing you know, you're only getting X. And, and yeah, you didn't get the winner's the winner's share, which isn't that much more. And, and relatively speaking, if you if you were to, to level it out, but I don't think that's a bad idea. I, I really believe that that's the wave of where we're going to go. The problem is going to be it's going to be the person that's going to stand up and say, okay, this is how it's going to happen. Yeah. It's the the competitor's duty to to have, have their car sponsored. Get their get their own money to come and race. It's their golf game. Right. They do not pay you to golf. They don't pay you to bowl. They exactly. don't pay you to do any of that stuff. You know. And 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 I still think football players are all over paid right. anyway. Other than that, uh, you know, you you got to pay to do everything else. You have to pay to go do it. And and this thing here, they're they yeah they're paying twenty five bucks to come in and they they own their car and whatnot. That's their vice. That's their problem. I am one of you. I am one of those guys. I get it. But I don't. I don't race for the money. Never have. Never will. The guy that does won't make it to the top. Yeah. Well, you take David Rudin. If you ever raced for the money, I'll guarantee you he didn't. 
Exactly. If you listen to, to uh, his story, you know for sure that uh, no, he did not he do that. For the money. No, he didn't. And, and you know, when you you take a street stock class, a mini stock class, whatever, and you look at it at a particular track throughout the year, 80% of the purse money is at the top with two or three, four guys at the most. Yep. And, you know, if you, they're all bringing the same. I mean, you know, maybe there are some exceptions, but. Uh, I mean, and this probably isn't fair, but, you know, the guy who finishes 23rd in the 25-car late model race, he's doing the same thing Wayne Anderson's doing when he shows up. Maybe Wayne brings a few more people. I don't know. Well, Wayne does it for a living. Don't forget. He That's tells the, us that exact, all the time. Well, exactly. Well, we've had a lot of mid-pack guys that would that would bring 10 to 15 people, and, and they come in, and they have a damn good time. Right. Our, our largest car count largest we, we broke it down guys we, we went as far as taking four divisions of cars and we would uh, when you signed in what division are you with okay here's your sheet our non-paid trophy only division carried this racetrack think about that there you go well yeah i guarantee you mike that if you made an announcement on here today okay he said well i decided that i'm going to go ahead and open up next season all my classes though are going to be um, trophy classes until maybe about halfway through the year. I'll guarantee you, your place would still be packed because those people out there want to have a racetrack. So. They, they want to race. And, and, and guys, listen, this isn't in the world. This place is going to be open. It's going to be a racetrack. Somebody's going to lease it. Nobody's going to get rich. The, the property's here. It's a done deal. It's, it's paid for. And, and I, I didn't do all these improvements to, to shut the doors. That's not the, the case in point. Case in point for me is I have to do what I'm going to do. I have a short window of opportunity for Travis. He's got, you know, some some uh, possibilities with with some different things. I've got a really close relationship with Billy Ballou and, and, and his truck team. Oh yeah, partners in '97, '98. Uh, you yeah, know, we got, I've got those. A lot stats. of stuff going on, and so that's you know, again, I've got to focus on job at hand, and then that the governor one's my son. There you go. Well, Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to us here on the. Uh, Inside Florida Racing. Um, Cece, did you enjoy Mike Cope? Yes, I did very much. It was hey, very Mike, nice talking Mike, with I, you. Mike, i got to tell you, one of the coolest things about Bronson has absolutely nothing to do with about racing. But you go up there and you, and you sit out in the afternoon in the summertime on a weekday. It's peaceful. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's beautiful. And, and I'm, I, I love it here. I'm in my office right here now on the, on the grounds of Speedway. And, I, and I, I, you know, I truly love it here, but I, I have to go do what I've got to go do, and I hope people understand that. All right. We, we wish you the best, and we really thank you for spending the time and uh, sharing your thoughts with us here tonight, man. Thanks a lot. No problem. We'll, we'll do it again anytime. Thank All you. right. Thank, thank you, Mike. Bye. Bye. There you have it. Um, okay. So what a show. It's released. Uh, 